This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. Hi, I'm Greg Watson and welcome to this week's show of Property Matters where we talk all things property, whether it's local, regional, national and occasionally international. So plenty going on. I normally just round up the news a little bit, talk about a few matters and throw in a little bit of commentary and opinion in there as well. It's lovely to have your company here on npr.nz or where all good podcasts are found. So I'll start with a bit of local news. Recently, Opeki and Tokamaru were wanting to become part of Palmerston North City. And this has been ongoing for a little while. So the latest uh, report I've got in my hands here says that the communities of Tokamaru and Opeki are to remain part of Horafenua, with the Local Government Commission turning down the proposal for the boundary change to bring them into Palmerston North City. The Commission heard submissions that Horafenua didn't want to lose them and Palmer's North doesn't want to take them on and the move was also opposed by Iwi and Hapu. Commissioners say many Opeki and Tokamari residents had strong ties with Palmer's North with many, which many of the 154 submitters explained. So a majority of the residents' social and commercial activities were in Palmerston North. So about three quarters of the submissions that they received were in favour of the boundary change, yet that is not going to go ahead. So just a bit of an update on that one. And what the heck is happening in Wanganui? This article from Stuff says that Wanganui's affordable prices make for market resurgence. And it's a follow-up article uh, following one from a couple of years ago, and it says that after the indignity of being labelled a zombie town, Wanganui is experiencing a growth spurt that has seen it fall victim to the most metropolitan of scourges, traffic congestion. So it's become a property hotspot in one of the country's most affordable housing markets. So back in 2014, economist Shamabil Yaakov described Wanganui as a zombie town due to its then limited economic and population growth. And fair enough, at the time the city's property market was flat. But that's changed now. Wanganui is undergoing a resurgence and its population has been growing with the most recent statistics New Zealand population estimates putting it at 47,300. So in tandem with the city's broader growth is the momentum in the property market which has picked up significantly. There was annual value growth of 31.8% in the year to April according to CoreLogic. Now 31.8%, that means for every $100,000 you had in a property at that, in that one year ago, you've now got an extra $31.8 or $31,800. So really quite incredible. So that growth took the city's average to 484812 in April. Additionally, one of the top suburbs nationally to see the biggest jump in annual values uh, of, of, of the top 10, two of them were in Wanganui, Jury Hill and Aramaho. A new CoreLogic report also shows that in the first quarter of this year, 100% of the city's resales were above the original purchase price with the median sale 
profit, resale profit of $300,000. So Wanganui is a really good place. It's currently got the median price at 470000 Again, that's up by 37.4% uh, year-to-year April uh, when compared to last year, of course. It also points to the shortage or, or supply shortage in the broader Manawatu-Wanganui region and has one of the lowest levels of inventory in the country at five weeks' worth of property for sale. That's been putting pressure on prices. Property, man- property brokers, Wanganui branch manager Ratish Verma says a shortage of housing in Wanganui itself has been one of the contributing factors to the market's boom over the last year. The city and its attractions, which include its central location, relaxed lifestyle and affordable house prices, have often have been long underrated. Now people have realised what it has to offer and why they're moving here or returning from living elsewhere. It's been helping to drive the market, he says. For the six to eight months prior to the government's housing policy announcement in March, his firm was seeing 30 to 40 people at every open home, which was unprecedented, and multiple offers were the norm. So that, those numbers have gone down a bit now since the market announcement. Probably seeing, he says, about 10 to 20 people at open homes in certain price brackets now, and in some price brackets he might only be five. And sale volume, sales volumes have come back a bit too. So while Wanganui has enjoyed a strong price lift, it still remains pretty affordable when compared to most of New Zealand's main centres. I mean, it has some really nice established suburbs with fantastic old homes. At the same time, it boosts plenty of entry-level housing, uh, and more and more first-home buyers are deciding they can actually afford. We've been seeing more Aucklanders and Wellingtonians moving there with lifestyle being a big factor. I was talking to some people just on the weekend who moved... um, to, to a spot near Martin from Auckland just for lifestyle and for affordability. It's happening a lot. Wanganui's also got some great schools, good civic and recreational amenities and a growing arts centre. So there's plenty going on there as people uh, discover it's a great place to live. I'm in business there as well as uh, here in Palmer's North and Fielding and um, yeah, it's a lovely place. Love, love being involved and being over there. Talking about people buying in the wider area, a mansion has been bought by a Rangitiki couple with close ties to its history. So Amar House, which is in the small Rangitiki town of Martin, was built for one of the town's pioneers, Sam Gibbons, as a family home in 1901. But when the Gibbons family sold the two-storey villa to the Brethren Church in 1935, it became Martin's children home, children's home. So for most of its 51 years, the children's home was run by Crystal Springs family who managed or grew up in the home for three generations and now she owns it. Spring and her partner, Joe Greenwood, were looking for a place to move to with their seven children and when Amar House came on the market, it was perfect and seemed like fate. Her great-grandparents, Jill and Edna Pritchard, ran the Martins children home for 30 years and her great-aunt, Lois Cook, and her husband took over from them. So it's returned back to the family, which is nice to do. You may know that uh, property yourself, and uh, it's, it's uh, nice that Amar House has that connection still continuing onwards. Now here's an article for uh, the Aucklanders in the room, if any of you are uh, having a listen. This article from newshub.co.nz uh, says, Auckland real estate agent offers you... A, a year's worth of free avocado on toast to sell the property. So there was a townhouse that failed to sell at auction in Auckland. 
And uh, an Auckland real estate agent has found a uniquely millennial way to sell a property, chucking a year's worth of free avocado on toast. The townhouse originally failed to sell at auction, but with a delicious sweetener thrown in, two first home buyers are finally on the ladder. So every millennial has heard it. Uh, you'll never afford a house if you keep buying avocado on toast. But uh, Ray White, Remuera real estate agent Ben Ryken says, buyers can have their brunch and eat it too. This is what he says. I thought, why not chuck in a year's worth of avo on toast so they don't need to pay for that and they can pay for the mortgage, he told News Hub. The Three Kings townhouse wasn't snapped up at auction, so Ryken had a brainwave. He threw in a year's worth of Sunday brunches at Cafe Just Like Martha, which was 90 metres down the road. We went back to the drawing board and thought, what's a good way to get the ideal buyer, which is a first home buyer in the area, on board? And just like that, the house was sold, thanks to tongue-in-cheek way to make the property stand out in Auckland's hot market. Ryken says, I think there's been a little wave of marketing gimmicks or other ploys to get buyers through the doors at different properties. So if there's ever a property that needs a little push, I'm always happy to go and brainstorm. So there we are. Years worth of avocado on toast or similar cracks me up but hey it's good to have a bit of a laugh laugh at yourself <laughs> and at the and the market I guess so well done to him the New Zealand Industry of Architecture Awards have uh, just given a an award to Carlos Apartments for Renters which has been hailed as a big success and it gets a New Zealand Institute of Architecture Award so it always seemed a bit like 26 Aroha Avenue in Sandringham Auckland was an experimental build a first-class housing option for renters only, providing 13 apartments on an infill site previously occupied by a single bungalow. And that's fantastic when it comes to helping with housing. But there was always something a bit different about this project by Jasmix, which has just won a housing multi-unit award at the 2001 Te Kahui Haihanga New Zealand Institute of Architects Auckland Awards. So the developers, Blair and Jules McKinnon, were thinking outside the square, sustainability was to the fore. They were encouraging tenants who did not have cars to apply for rentals. So instead, they provide uh, shared electric scooters, cycle racks, and a shared electric car. Plus, they built close to bus and train services. They were interested in the idea of co-living with other shared amenities and opportunities to mix. In announcing the win, the NZIA Awards jury described the project as a labour of love that shows what you can do when the bottom line is not the only driver. As the first development off the rink in a recently rezoned high-density area, 26 Aroha risked being perceived as a bad neighbour. But instead, this new socially-minded rental complex where tenants live more like a family gives back to the street through welcoming stoops where neighbours can meet. Efficient and straightforward planning with generous external circulation and shared space provides many opportunities for serendipitous encounters. The icing on the cake, they say, is a communal roof terrace where tenants do laundry, chill on the deck and entertain visitors. Here in Sandringham, the architects and ethical landlords have created a sustainable, affordable and joyful new way to live. So that article can be found on the stuff. And it's great because the uh, government had given guidance to many councils to try and be more lenient and more flexible on what they can build, particularly close to public transport. So that's really good. It includes things like integrated solar hot water, um, solar, solar panels, and actually 90% of the original bungalow has been recycled and some of the timber appears in the cabinetry throughout the bathroom. So really interesting there, uh, what can be done with regards to fitting things in in a way that suits everybody.
So we're going to go for a break now here on NPR. This, I'm Greg Watson. We're going to have a little bit of music coming at you. This is Shefu with Chains. A bomb straight from where the hop comes. I got cyclops fish in my water. A nation of Pacific lambs to the slaughter. Three eyes for my son, an extra foot for my daughter. Gets from a land that I don't even know. I was too slow to even see that escargot. You say you're more blow, no cash exchange. The digit live is a picture of me in the dictionary under French fry. No racism, I'm out for who's in charge. I like to lay that fat cable in their backyard. Too far, they're part. Now I'm radioactive strong. I just walk past the section over like. Turn on, no last drag on Just let my bones expose Didn't reach no final level Yet my body still glows Why do you wanna annoy Nuclear boy with your toy Why be here naked my say Feel the lights of one who stays Overcome someday Set your sights and chip away Come back my chains, come help me out Living in the city ain't so bad May I put you side for a second? Asking a question, checking what you reckon. Why you let in your garden with the pound? Freaking out what you wear, how you walk around town. Did your heads never think further? The threads is dead, the dress code of the soul wardrobe is dead. Misled, baby, was my mirror hazing? Morphing into something that's more images fading. Making, molding, holding, holding. This is me, you're a movie. Channel 2 with restoring. But as such, why is the television be now ruled by a clutch? Ellis and Bell is the way of all shape like a snake. Stick your mouth around the thing that says in place. Breathe deep, the first sucker that you be. Time is running out for me. Too old for cold, what we're making it be. And you're back, you're listening to Property Matters here on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio. Te reo irarangi o nga tangata o Manawatu. It's lovely to have your company here today. We're just going to have a chat now about the latest on the Leaky Homes civil case, which is being taken to court with regards to a civil action. So it's a $250 million high court case against James Hardy for Leaky Homes. So let's have a look at some of a reminder of what's happening here because this has been off the radar for a little bit. This is just a good chance to catch up. So the question is, was the product defective or were the, were the builders incompetent? And that's really the, the, the gist of the high court case that's currently in progress in Auckland at the moment over James Hardy's monolithic cladding systems. This is according to Emily Donovan of newsroom.co.nz. So it's pretty massive in terms of money terms, $250 million, but it's still a drop in the bucket uh, when it comes to the decades-old leaky building saga. So, the, so there's been quite a big case that, uh, uh, well, some of, the, some of the general bits of the, the case have said that there's a lot of untested building products that came onto the market uh, back historically, as there was a lot of deregulation in the housing market. 
So that coupled with taking away training for builders and plasterers and that sort of thing at the same time, a lot of untreated timber was used in the market and there was this big trend towards monolithic cladding. All of these things at the same time happened, says, says Young, who's the um, business desk reporter Victoria Young that's quoted in this uh, article. So obviously it took a while to realise it didn't work, you live in it for several years and then all of a sudden you've got rot. So that was from a, uh, a case uh, quoted from uh, an island. But let's look at the James Hardy case. The homeowners have been brought together by lawyer Adina Thorne and targets both James Hardy in New Zealand and its parent company, one of the biggest suppliers of fibre cement boards in the world. Young says James Hardy describes its cladding as a system consisting of products that should be used together for them to work properly, including the board, flashings and special coatings. It claims, it claims it's not the product that's defective, but the work of those using the product. They're blaming the builders. They're saying, you know, we gave you the ingredients and you didn't build the recipe correctly. The plaintiffs are basically just saying it doesn't do what it said it would do because water's got in. So it's going to be expert against expert for 15 weeks. It's a big case, but it's not the biggest. The leaky schools would have been bigger than this, but it was settled at the end of last year, says Young. That case saw the Ministry of Education seeking compensation of between $1.1 and $1.3 billion from building company Carter Holt Harvey for defective materials, affecting 800 schools around the country. The terms of that settlement are confidential. The homeowners versus James Hardy case also comes as the government steps away from the problem. They've allowed local councils to carry the can for a lot of this, she says. Often the council is the last man standing because the builders... The architects, engineers, surveyors, they've often gone under. So every class action that goes ahead and succeeds, other property owners, other disgruntled shareholders or consumers might get more confident about taking these sorts of actions. In many ways, they are sometimes in a position where they've got nothing to lose anyways, they just say, why not? A lot of them are no win, no fee, so you're not risking anything. You're just having hope that you might see some recovery. So it's a bit of an update there. I'll keep you posted on how that goes. No doubt it will be in the national news, of course. Going back now to the residential sales market. And there's a lot in the media. In fact, I've got pages and pages and pages here of uh, what people are predicting is going to happen in the housing market. And uh, boy, it's, you really have to read past the headlines because the headlines can be a little bit misleading. This one's not misleading though, this is from New Zealand Advisor Online.co.nz. What do Kiwis expect to happen to house prices? So despite the recent efforts by the government to cool the housing market, a study from ASB found that expectations of house prices sorry, expectations that house prices will continue to climb and remain high. A net sixty four percent of respondents in ASB's latest Housing Confidence Survey, which covers the three months to the end of April 2001, said they expect house prices to continue climbing in the next 12 months, down from last quarter's record 73%, but still the highest result in the survey's 25-year history. Mike Jones, who's the senior economist at ASB, said that the result is further evidence that housing market pressure is being released only gradually. It is noticeable that the housing confidence remains at such high levels, said Jones. After all, there's been plenty of policy-related potholes for the, mar- for the market to dodge lately. The LVR restrictions are back on. The loan payment repayment deferral scheme has come to an end. Mortgage rates are no longer in free fall. And in late March, some of the government's recent tax changes come into effect. Housing confidence joins a number of other housing indicators pointing to stubborn resistance. 
Jones said that his team were already off the view house price momentum was starting to peak. We might see a bit more of a drop in confidence in the next quarter as the full impact of the government's tax changes are found. Now I'm just going to jump in here with a quick comment and again just remind you that here in Manawatu, Manawatu Wanganui, there is a lot going on. We, and when economists largely look at the big picture, uh, if markets are sl- slowing in some areas like the big centres, uh, Auckland or Wellington, or even slowing down a bit, um, they that could be reported as a national figure because it impacts on the national market, that 50% of the stats that come out of Auckland impact on everybody else. Regionally, though, Manawatu is very strong at the moment and should continue to be so for some time yet. We're quite well insulated here with regards to the types of uh, industries we have. We've got seven major uh, industries uh, contributing to our economy, which means that we are certainly not a one-trick pony and there's many people moving here indeed. So here's an article uh, coming out of uh, the Wellington region. And this is by Ethan Teora and was on stuff.co.nz. It says, three years down, 22 months to go, first home buyers commit to longer waits for newer builds. It says that Courtney Jones has been looking for a home for three years. Now she has one off the plans, but she has to wait until the Wallaceville estate home is built. When Courtney Jones drove down Ward Street to the intersection with Alexander Road, she saw her first home, but she was watching an active construction site and looking far ahead, potentially as far in the future as 22 months. The site is part of the Wallaceville estate in Upper Hutt, where another 152 townhouses have just been listed and will be completed between 10 and 22 months from now. The 29-year-old was unfazed by the wait. She said, I've already been looking for three years, what's another year or two? But there's some really good things about buying a house off the plan. There's some really good benefits with it. You've locked in the prices. In other words, what you pay today and the value of the home when it's built, you're not paying any extra. There's no auction stress and, of course, no multiple offers, which are a bit of a nightmare here in the Manawatu at the moment when you're trying to buy a house. So it's simply just a price agreed with to the building company and away you go. But homeowners gambled against potential life changes agreeing to purchase property from a developer while the house is still in the process of being built. So you have to be fairly sure of your overall situation. But it is nevertheless a growing trend in this article out of Wellington. There's a growing trend throughout the Wellington region as the median house prices continue to move. The this particular house uh, that Jones is purchasing, a three-bedroom home uh, on her own, cost about seven hundred thirty thousand dollars, and um, she's using her KiwiSaver fund and a pre-approved loan of just over six hundred thousand. So while the sale wasn't finalised, Jones was anticipating the end to a three-year search. The townhouse might someday be home for extended family, including her father, who had a long-term health condition. But I guess what I'm illustrating by bringing this story to you is that the, that. Uh, when you're buying, you can lock in that price early. You're not competing against others when it comes to a new build property. And there are quite a lot happening around this area in uh, parts of Wanganui, Martin Bulls, um, certainly in Fielding, and areas of Palmerston North. There are certainly opportunities uh, to get into something there. And a new build house as a first home uh, for me when I was young would, would have been a, a pipe dream. But these days it's more like something that's uh, a worthy option to weigh up really. So I've now got the the rest of the stack of articles here, which I'll just summarise some of the headlines. ANZ Reports says border closure means housing supply is catching up with demand, but there's still uncertainty over future immigration settings. So they're just saying that uh, uh, not so many people coming coming into the uh, into the country. 
this article, mortgage lending down but far from out. Uh, mortgage, lending for mortgages dropped by $2 billion in April, but it's still running at record levels. So there was $8.4 billion borrowed for mortgages in April, down from $10.4 billion in March. So a slight change there, but it's still a huge figure, historically speaking. We talked about the uh, no shaking, the stubborn belief house prices will keep rising, and as long as people believe that they'll keep rising, uh, demand will be there. But if the media headlines convince us that it's not a good time to buy or that things are going to change, uh, let's just see if that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Here's another article, Mortgage Rate Changes Ahead, Think Before You Refix, Borrowers Advised. So it's likely that next year interest rates will be going up, as signalled uh, in that article by Melanie uh, Carroll, also uh, signalled by the potentially by the Reserve Bank uh, comments that things might go up as well, just looking at another article here. Reserve Bank also suggests that the Treasury is on track with the forecast of near-zero housing inflation. So remember, that's a uh, national figure. We'll just have to see what happens there. But this is the important bit, and this is what the headlines don't tell you. Reserve Bank Governor Adrian Orr said the central bank's forward projections are that house price growth slows significantly and soon, followed immediately by the sentence. However, Orr cautioned that these projections were wildly uncertain. (laughs) So um, it's interesting what headlines they pick up on. The... Uh, and then there's uh, articles about the Reserve Bank and, and trying, to, trying to guess effectively what they're going to do. In an article that says, Fears Reserve Bank faces choice between recent house buyers and economy. That was on March 25th. It's quite a good read. Haven't got time for that quite here. But it's just trying to figure out what's going to happen. And again, the Reserve Bank, I knew it was here somewhere, uh, this article, housing, mortgage rates start to rise again. Sorry, my fault there, mistake. Mortgage rates to rise again, not start to rise again. Fears recent home buyers at risk. So, again, they're saying that mortgage rates are set to start rising again as soon as next year, meaning thousands of home buyers who have recently bought into the housing hype could be at risk. The Reserve Bank expects to start hiking the wholesale rate as soon as next year, which will take it from Thursday's record low to nearly 2% by June 2024. And that could be somewhere in the region of 6 thousand six and a half thousand dollars in extra interest costs every year uh, said John Karen the chief economist at Jardin he says the rate hikes would hurt uh, highly leveraged first home buyers and it would be a burden on some households uh, when those rates rise so we'll just have to see what happens there there's a lot of could and should sort of comments mentioned in a lot of those articles uh, the important thing is uh, that uh, it's very hard for economists predict, they've been predicting for a number of years that things will maybe take a downturn and we haven't seen that um, as of yet in this area and probably won't for another year or two, but that's just my thoughts. Always the chance of a self-fulfilling prophecy though, if enough people believe the market's going to drop, uh, they, start, they stop selling, uh, they stop buying and lo and behold the market will drop. So let's see what happens there, it's just a cycle, it happens almost every time. So that's all we've got time for today. You've been listening to uh, Property Matters here with Greg Watson on NPR.nz. I would love having your company. Love to be with you again this time next week on radio or alternatively anytime you want on podcast. Thanks for today. Have a great week. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. 
For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate.